you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA Private Wealth. Welcome to the next episode of Bare Naked Money. And we're going to be coming at you with a part two to a previous podcast that we didn't know there'd be a part two to, I guess that's too many twos. Anyway, this is an update to the real estate market. Now, if the audience remembers, we recorded our last podcast in April and Josh was out buying a house and it seemed to be behaving a little bit differently than what the numbers in March and February and January seemed to be. But again, when you're in the fight, you don't really know what the battlefield is because again, these things are defined looking backwards. But Josh has told me nothing about his journey uh, other than for two months, I didn't see him smile and he's smiling a lot now. So I am as fascinated as the rest of the audience to hear Josh. How did it all turn out? Yeah, well, I figured it was time for an update for everybody, you included. And it's been a bit of an adventure over the last, I guess it's been about two months now since we initially agreed upon the deal. So yeah, uh, adventure awaits, I guess. <laughs> so when it was all, it was all locked and loaded. You had an accepted offer, you were pre-approved for a mortgage and you know, what could possibly go wrong, Josh? What, yeah, the, what, the, and that's what, the question. What, happened? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Well, I'll just let everybody know right off the bat. It's all okay. We're actually closing on the house as of today, and it all looks like it's going to work out okay. So nothing catastrophic actually happened in my situation. So in, in case anybody's really worried about this being a horrible ending, it's not a horrible ending, but it has been, like I said, an adventure. So... I'll just take everybody back a little bit to the point in time where we were discussing our last podcast and I was talking about interest rates, interest rates going up. And we were discussing how that could affect affordability for some people, for some people that were maybe right up against the brink, higher interest rates could push you over the brink and that's not a good thing. But mortgages, uh, Borrowing for most people looking at real estate is, is going to be a huge component of, of what they're looking at, what they can afford, uh, what they're going to pay for, for that piece of real estate. What's really important to keep in mind when you're looking for a mortgage is the lender for that mortgage is really keen and intent on making sure that they don't lose money on that mortgage. They don't want to lose money on the lending. If you're going to default and not pay your mortgage, they want to make sure 100% that they can recover everything that they loaned to you. So a big part of how they do that is make sure you have a sufficient down payment in place and what, what we would call equity, right? They, they want you to have some skin in the game. They don't want to be loaning you 100% of the value of your property or anywhere near that because then there's no cushion. If you if they're lending you 100% of the value of your property, that property goes down 5%, well, you know, you have no incentive to stay in that home anymore because your mortgage is now worth more than the value of your property. And this is what we saw in 2006, 7, and 8 in the US is people just walking away from their homes because they're like, well, why would I pay a $500,000 mortgage on a $400,000 property? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So anyway, that, that's a bit of a backstory. But what's important in our situation was we had to get our house appraised and the lender, generally speaking, is going to require an appraisal. 
for your property. So it doesn't matter what you agreed to pay for this property. They want to know what is in their view, the fair market value of your property, because that's what they're going to lend against. So yes, I was pre-approved for a mortgage. Yes, we agreed to this deal and we were going to be perfectly fine to, to cover it all financially. Uh, now that was predicated on getting a certain level of mortgage. And when the appraisal came in about 9% lower than what we had agreed to pay for the property, the lending institution came back to us and said, I'm not lending you as much money as you want anymore. You're going to have to come up with a chunk more money for that down payment. So just to continue with the adventure, hey, now we got to find a whole bunch more money. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's important. I mean, again, you're telling the story in this one case, but I mean, this is the same story that's told thousands of times right now in the market and all over Ontario. And like, and as we pointed out, and I think this is important for the listeners to remember, when we talk about the housing numbers, we're talking historically in the moment, the game can change. And sometimes it can change materially. Sometimes it can change up to 9% on the price of a home. And that that's material as, as the accounting world would say. So Josh, Josh, keep going. I don't think you got the house. I think you lied to us. The spoiler that you gave at the start, I think is you know, there's no way you got this house. Yeah, well, well, just to to give people a bit of perspective on what the appraisal process is like, look, I'm, I'm sure everybody's been through this before that's, that's bought a home, right? So you've gone through an appraisal, but you have no recourse over them deciding that your house is worth more than, or more or less than you've paid. You have no recourse. You can't really fight it. You can't go back to them and say, well, I want you to reconsider. <laughs> They're going to tell you to like go pound sand. They don't really care. They, they are trying to get what in their view is an objective measure of, of the property value. And in our case, I talked to my agent after and he's like, you know, it's, it's hard to say what they're really gauging this value off of because there haven't been a whole lot of properties that have sold in your area in the last four weeks. So what has led to them considering a, a lower value than you had agreed to pay and Mississauga as a whole. So the entire city, there's like a million people in Mississauga, the value of property in Mississauga over that one month period of time was down about 8%. So his view is, well, it, I don't think that the guy, even the appraiser even went to look at the house. What he probably did was finger to the wind. Well, market in Mississauga is down 8%. Let's ascribe an 8% drop to the value of this property. So it could be as simple as that. It could be as superficial as that. And Again, you have no recourse if, if something happens. So we had to come up with, we had to find more money for our down payment. That, that was, that was what it came down to. Now, fortunately, as we've been talking about throughout the last couple of years, really is there's some caution warranted with real estate going the way that it has been. And we left ourselves enough cushion. We had enough other level levers to pull where we came up with the money without too much of an issue, but I would be lying if I told you that I wasn't super stressed along the, the, the path here to get here. Uh, we came up with, with the extra money that we needed for the down payment. We got it all squared away and the lender said, okay, well, I'll give you this reduced mortgage and you have the additional down payment and uh, away you go. So, so that's where we ended up. I don't know if everybody would have been able to do that. I don't know if everybody's, you know, I'm not a complete idiot, but I think there's a lot of people out there that might be pushing their, themselves a little bit more to, to that edge that we were talking about, and they may not have that lever to pull. So fortunately, we, we just left ourselves enough cushion that we could make it work. 
Well, it's, I think it's important to understand again in this, you know, the, the appraiser works for the institution and the institution's worried about the overall health of their books. So like when you read in the investment side of things about the Canadian banks and the risks they're taking on, this is one of the ways they mitigate it. They have a third party appraisal because again, they don't want to lend to crazy people. So if it doesn't matter, you're willing to wait, you know, buy it for a crazy price. When they put it on the books, then they have to be able to be comfortable that, yeah, we can, you know, we could offload it there's to somebody else at a maybe more modest price. So, you know, they're, they're going to do that appraisal in their favor. In my entire life's experience, I've never seen a, a, a lender backed appraisal come in above what somebody was willing to pay for a property. Yeah. Um, very unusual. I, very unusual. Yeah, I've seen it come under a whole bunch because again, that's that's their role in the game is to weight it in the in the in the favor of the of the lender. Yeah, yeah, they want to be risk averse with it for sure. So, and th this was maybe a bit more on the extreme side of things. It's probably unusual that it would it would drop that much. But so the other thing, we had a a, a condition free offer, so we didn't have a condition of financing and a lot of very competitive markets right now, you're not going to have a condition on financing. So if we weren't able to come up with that, that financing or the, the money that we needed, we got to walk away from the deal. And right now with things as competitive as they, they are. So the, this no condition thing is pretty common. So you have lots of people going in without any conditions and to protect the, the sellers, they want a large deposit. They want you to put a large deposit up front. And if you don't come through with the, the financing, with the money, when that deal needs to close, they get to walk away with your deposit. So here I am thinking, oh man, we're two weeks out from closing. We need to come up with a whole lot of money in a very short period of time. And we've already put a pretty big chunk of money down. Are we potentially going to have to walk away from, from that money? And that would have been uh, a punch in the gut to say the least. You'd probably still not be smiling. That's you, you might not have even seen me for the last couple of weeks, Colin. I I <laughs> might be I don't know where I'd be right now. Somewhere on a on an island somewhere, just uh, trying not to go go crazy or something. S swearing at the gods. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah cursing the gods. <laughs> Damn you for corrupting the real estate market. <laughs> How dare you? Well, I mean, and, and this is a, is a really great spotlight. I mean, again, this is one data point, but it's, it's a very common thing as the market begins to moderate a little bit, that, you know, here's the, the trouble that you had. And again, you're, well, don't take this the wrong way, but you're exceptional. Like you, you really plan shit out and you do keep emerging safety, you know, and you're able to roll with this, but there's going to be a lot of deals out there where people aren't rolling with it. And, you know, that's, that's really going to impair potentially the real estate market for a period of time. So. To sit back in one's comfy chair and say real estate's you know always going to go up and transactions are easy, I'm pre-approved, this is not a big hassle, is a gross oversimplification. Uh, and again, trends, you're not going to know what the trend was when you bought your house until a month or two later. So you could be right in the middle of the tide change, which I think looking back, it's pretty much where you were. You were you were right as the tide was changing. Yeah, and you know, I, I, think, I think we talked about that at the time, trying to figure out, hey, is this data point in line with the previous trend, or is it a reversal? And, yeah, you know, this seems to have reversed. Yeah, and, and just a, a bit of a public service announcement for everybody: you mentioned that I was pre-approved. I was pre-approved. I went through. I, I provided everything to to the mortgage broker at the time to get this pre-approval in place. 
and had told them exactly what we want for the mortgage, have told them we exactly what we thought was going to be our price point for the purchase. And both of these came through pretty much exactly as expected. And guess what? The mortgage was a hell of a lot more difficult for me to get than the pre-approval had suggested. And, and again, there was a period of time there where I didn't think we were going to get the mortgage. So pre-approvals, BS. I had somebody say to me, well, you should have just got pre-approved. I said, thanks. I did get pre-approved. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I, yeah, no, no kidding. I did that. And it, 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 it's not, it's not a foolproof system. It's not as bulletproof as some out there will, will make you think or make you believe. Yeah. I think they're more, more adequately decided titled a conditional approval because they're not actually going to fully underwrite it until you go to pull the trigger. That's the say, okay, you need to prove that income or, oh, we didn't know about that. And, you know, it, it, it does, it can spiral and spiral quickly. I think the, the benefit for many people when they do a pre-approval is that it, it locks in a rate. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, you know what your rate is by having a pre-approval, you know, to, to think that they're just going to, based on the information you gave them, write a check. No, they're going to ask you a whole bunch of more questions and right. potentially even walk away and say, no, we're not going to do the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're con condition free on an offer, now you're, uh, up a river without a paddle, as they say. So that's, that's a tough one, but I think this is, this is how you can see things start to unravel with, with any type of asset market pretty quickly and real estate's no exception. So if you just play this through and say there's hundreds or thousands of other people in the same boat as, as I was, as Heather and I were. So. First of all, you, you can't close on the property. So now what happens? Well, you walk away from a whole bunch of money and that seller now needs to scramble and sell their place in a market where the prices have gone down because they've probably bought as well. They're moving somewhere. So now the seller needs to scramble, sell their place, market's gone down and they're under the gun. So what are they going to do? Well, they're going to take the, the quickest, surest bet that they can possibly get. And if this is happening sort of systematically, again, you have hundreds or thousands of people in the same boat, then you could just, wow, now you have the market that's flooded with properties and everybody's under the gun. They're trying to sell this stuff quickly. You have banks that are foreclosing on properties potentially, and, you know, trying to, to, uh, fire sale these properties. And this is how things can spiral pretty quickly. And you have not to say that the Canadian real estate market's in a bubble, but this is how the bubbles burst with a lot of these things. People get over leveraged, they get over their, over their skis, things start going down and then it's just a snowball and it doesn't stop for a long time. I think there's two key lessons to take out of this little voyage that we've gone on with you, Josh. I think that the, the step one is in your, whatever financial plan you've set for yourself, having a buffer. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely essential. And you don't know why you're going to need the buffer but have a buffer, never bump up against your, you know, theoretical maximum, because then you've got no way to deal with changes as they come and trends are great until they reverse and trends are always measured historically. They're always backward looking. And so to try to try to behave as if things that were true in January are true now, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, you know, so always keep your head on a swivel thinking, oh, is this landscape changing? You know, cause I mean, you guys had to walk away from this down payment. The next time you guys go put an offer and you're going to be less likely to put, want to put a down payment in. Right. So again, there's, there's all kinds of knock-ons from, from this kind of activity now. And 
And we're only going to know the net and total effect of all this months from now. So it, it, there's nothing in here that, that we can say this is what's going on right now. Now, this that's happened a month ago, and it was a special set, set of circumstances, but it doesn't line up with the narrative. It's far less rosy. So keep your head on a swivel and don't assume that, you know, things are going along just swimmingly well. There's, there could be a reversal in progress. Yep. Be careful out there, people. Keep safe. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth, Inc. IA Private Wealth, Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth, Inc. operates. We've noticed something. It seems there are a lot of people who would rather try to figure out their lives with an online calculator than air your finances to a human. Stop doing that. You need to talk to someone who can help direct you, tell you where to start with what you've got to make the biggest impact on your future. You can't figure that out at doihaveenoughcash.com, but you can figure it out by chatting with us. Call us. It'll be okay. You'll see. Content of this presentation, including facts, views, opinions, recommendations, descriptions of, or references to products or securities, is not to be used or construed as investment advice, as an offer to sell, or the solicitation of an offer to buy, or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Although we endeavor to ensure its accuracy and completeness, we assume no responsibility for any reliance upon it. This should not be construed to be legal or tax advice, as every client situation is different. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.